It's Tuesday, September 1st, 2020. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. Last night, Donald Trump shared a video that was supposedly Joe Biden sleeping during an interview, only to be proven to be fake. Looking at the last six months, Trump is clearly the only person anyone can prove has been sleeping on the job. After a debunked piece of science claimed that only 9,000 people have actually died from COVID-19, doctors are becoming increasingly concerned because misinformation about the coronavirus is spreading faster than the disease itself. Hopefully, Dr. Fauci will tell us it's time to socially distance from social media. In order to reach a younger voting demographic, starting today, the Biden campaign is launching virtual Biden yard signs for a display within a Nintendo video game, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Not to be outdone, Trump is launching virtually thousands of angry, poorly educated guys with assault rifles. Sadly, that's no game. In an interview with the woman voted least likely to spoon Laura Ingram, Trump compared getting shot in the back seven times by police to a golfer choking on the green. Thankfully, other than Tiger Woods, there's not enough black men on the golf course to be murdered by someone who can't sink a four-foot putt. Bill Gates paid tribute to his friend Warren Buffett on his 90th birthday on Sunday by posting a video of himself making and then eating an Oreo cake with Buffett's face on it. That's so 2020 when we consider a birthday present to be a video of someone else eating your birthday cake. An American Airlines pilot landing at LAX said he saw a man in a jetpack in the flight path Sunday evening. To the jetpack guy's credit, it's a hell of a lot safer and more comfortable than flying middle seat during COVID-19 on American Airlines. TMZ is reporting that country music legend Loretta Lynn may have married Kid Rock over the weekend. If this is true, she'll go from being known as the coal miner's daughter to the wife of a complete asshole. Usher Raymond announced that he and his girlfriend, Jen Goikachia, are expecting their first child together. I don't know about you, but I think it's a nice change to see Usher giving a woman something other than herpes. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air cast is reuniting for an HBO Max special. Let's just hope that for Will's sake, August Alsina hasn't been visiting the Banks girls. Tiger King star Joe Exotic is launching from prison his own men's underwear collection that features Joe's face on the crotch. Look, I could pretend not to know where Joe got the idea, but let's face it, he's in jail. So you know he's had his face in a lot of guys' crotches, whether he wanted to or not. Now, let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily cast and crew roundtable. Stay safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Yellow, and as always, I'm joined by some of my TMI Hollywood family. Let's say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or their streaming service of their choice. Let's start with you, Pete. I have a bad back. I don't know why. Just going to tell you that. It's going to affect my performance. Hi, everybody. Happy official start of pumpkin spice season. Uh, happy man. <laughs> Ian. Um, I occasionally have bag issues as well. Thank you for Thank sharing you. that. <laughs> Emma. Hey, everybody. I developed back issues while waitressing. Hmm. That'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Stuart. Yeah, I actually have back issues to my dad. He has a bad bag and I got it. So it sucks. Yeah. Did he give it to you? I mean, I assume it's somewhat genetic. Maybe not, but I Do you like push you down the stairs or something? Not that I can remember, Please but... twice if he's hurting you. <laughs> Shayna. Oh, oh, wow. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, yeah, hello and hi. And hello. Stuart, if you need to get out, we can help you. Just blink twice, Stuart. <laughs> say that. Hey, everybody. I'm Carrie. Sorry, I'm Carrie, and I have back issues, too. Hi, Carrie. I also have back issues. I have sciatica. I don't know why I can't just be the only one with a back issue. Not especially, Maybe it's not all about you, Peter. That's a bullshit. (laughs) I'm not even going to mention my arthritis. 
Pick something more unique. <laughs> After this very strange introduction about all our ailments. You know, we're really going to lose that youth audience. <laughs> Let's get started with tonight's show. Uh, we will be getting to our main topic tonight about the fake news and the media later on. For now, we're going to start with just one question, where we take some of the topics we covered at the top of the show, and I ask one question about them. An American Airlines pilot flying into Los Angeles claims to have seen a man flying with the use of a jet pack in the plane's flight path. So my question is, do you think flying with a jet pack is any less safe than getting on a crowded commercial flight right now? Yes. <laughs> yes, but also yes. way yes. cooler. It's way cooler. Yes. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> you, are, mean, you are way more likely to die, but like yes. what a way to go. <laughs> yes. I mean, all I can think in my mind is like, you are flying and you're like having this awesome experience. And then this giant auto bus comes, comes up behind you and you end up in the engine of the auto bus right. because it is so big and you can't stop it. That's what I, that's the horrible thing I think of with the jet pack. Could you say one Didn't like a whole plane get COVID the other day or something like that? Listen, nobody's putting on a jet pack that doesn't know how to use it, okay? Yeah. Where do you get well, it? I, I, I don't know that. where you got that. Yeah, you've never seen the Rocketeer. Somehow. This is not the Rocketeer, honey. You gotta earn that shit. Yeah, we don't know. Listen, we don't know how many hours this man has logged in and his flights, okay? He could have been training for 10,000 hours. They say that's how long it takes to become an expert. He could have put in his 10,000, so we don't know. He might trust himself. Self more some strange pilot. You don't yeah. know this man. Just, or he could have been this thing off of online and, and strapped himself Listen, to a launch chair. Also, pilot that's flying the plane might be some war veteran with PTSD. It might take the whole plane down. I'd rather trust myself than this guy, all right? That's also, awesome. just to be clear, so we weren't talking about like this guy on a jetpack. We were talking about flying on a jetpack in general, like any of us. Yeah. I'd try it. I'd try I'd it. I mean, we all know who we all know who this guy is anyway. If, if if you've seen the Iron Man movie where Tony Stark is sitting in the center of Randy's Donuts, that is right down the street from LAX. It is in the flight path, so it's obviously that it was Iron Man. Where was so, Robert Downey Jr. doing all of this? <laughs> well, I mean, he's retired now, so he's got the time, and he's probably got some suits for he's the movie. The yeah, he probably does have a jetpack. <laughs> and he knows how to do it. He's been doing it now for how many movies? I'm pretty sure he knows how to use that thing. <laughs> all right. They just gave him the technology. They were like, take it home, Bob. It's fine. He was like, I wonder if I could actually sit in this donut hole. I can. Wow. <laughs> Do you think at any point while the guy was jetpacking around, he went, hey, is that a plane? <laughs> I mean, <'cause... laughs> That's what I'm thinking. It's like this guy like. <laughs> I mean, he's near LAX. Like, ah! yeah. You've got to be a real dick to actually aim yes. for a plane. That jetpack yeah, I mean, yeah. jet is probably more safer than flying with spirit let's be honest okay yeah that's, that's true. just you get more leg room too i would <laughs> and they probably didn't charge him for pretzels i would actually love the irony if william shatner was flying back from a star trek convention and looked out the window <laughs> okay. oh, yeah. from prison, has designed a line of men's underwear which has a picture of joe over the crotch. Not this Joe, but the Tiger King. My question is, who do you think the target audience is for this underwear? Women who marry prisoners. Everybody who is all Tiger King fetishy. Everybody who went through that. I mean, it's too late. Like the fetish has risen and fallen. He's missed his window, I feel. <laughs> but I think that's I the novelty. I don't know. With Christmas coming up, I mean, this is the perfect gag gift yeah. or joke yeah. gift to give somebody. Gag. I'm really surprised, though, that it, there wasn't, like, the big cats on, on that particular area. But he's a narcissist, so he wants to see his face. Sure. Well, they've got to be leopard and tiger print underwear yeah. with his face on the cock region is what I was picturing in my in mind. Cock region. I'm now, surprised the second that, uh, thing we used cock in the show. I'm surprised that he didn't put Carol Baskin in the back on the inside. Ooh, <laughs> that might be uh, and also special. and also listen, um uh the um Tiger King version doesn't have a fly, but if you want one with a fly, there's one of his boyfriend and the three teeth is you just pull them aside and oh. <laughs> 
just, I mean, why I didn't they put it? Why didn't he want his face on somebody's ass? I mean, wouldn't that been better? Because <laughs> then, then you'd be seen. You can do both. <laughs> I don't know. Right? No, no, face on the front, mullet on the back. There you go. Are there people go. so fascinated with him? Because I know there's like tons of Facebook group pages. My sister-in-law actually told me about one of them and her and I joined it just for fun. And it's, I mean, these people hate that Carol Baskin. And like some of these people dedicate their entire life just trying to just, you know, get to this one. I mean, it's crazy. Is there still a fascination with him? What do you guys think? Like, I don't know. I feel like every time something comes up that's like newsworthy about anything related to him, it becomes like national news. Like yeah. I heard about it when like the GW Zoo was forced to close down to like to the public or uh, when Carol Baskin like officially won some appeal. Like I heard about it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, well, I, 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 God, it's good. Sorry. It's died down from like the height of the Tiger King mm-hmm. mania. But yeah, I mean, it's and still like when also... it comes up in the news and also like there are still people who, you know, are into it. Um, well, there's also the whole true crime angle that yeah. people are obsessed with. I mean, yeah. not just Carol Baskin's husband's potential murder and disappearance, but also yeah. like the fact that Joe Exotic's whole circus got taken away from him. Like the whole thing with that, like there's whole people that believe that that was a, that in itself was a crime. So there's like a lot of that that goes on with it and all the big cats and how he, you know, acquired these animals and all of these things i don't think he's that famous anymore because if if he was disney would have already acquired his ip so uh <laughs> i mean netflix owns it i don't think they're selling to disney yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I, like, I, uh... I started to realize that he's not as famous i started realizing he was not as famous earlier today when i brought the story up to veronica and what was it you said about it was it you, you said Veronica, i said oh my god is that the, is that the tiger king guy I said. Yeah, which again, if this was four months ago, she would have gone, oh my God, Joe Exotic? Yeah. Not that excited. He doesn't make me that excited, Pete. Come on. <laughs> but I would have done oh, <laughs> she She could not wait to watch episodes of, of Tiger King. Like <laughs> earlier, I mean, that's 10 years ago when this whole thing started. Um, by the way, I am also, since we're here, I'm announcing my own line of underwear just in time for Christmas. So if you want the Joe Newberger line of underwear, just. Uh, Write us here uh, at uh, TMI Hollywood. Uh, uh, my my assistant, my assistant Vanessa is handling all of it. I hear I hear your assistant Vanessa is a very beautiful woman, Joe. <laughs> you know, hilarious. <laughs> are they <laughs> called bento box, Joe? Are they called bento box? They are. They, they, they are. And the and the great thing about them is just like a real bento box is you don't know what you get in it until you finally open it up. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh! <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, you, you know what? I I kind of feel like when it comes to Tiger King, that that Tiger King is a really good amalgam of the whole COVID crisis because we watched it like literally at the beginning of this thing, and we thought, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. And then we still had six more months to kill and realized it wasn't that great after all. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just it really just, if, if I'd have known that we were going to be doing this for seven months, I probably would have just watched one episode at a time very slow. That's the great thing about COVID. People got into, sh- people who was like, I'm out of shape. I'm going to get into shape. And now they're back out of shape again. <laughs> <laughs> because it's never going to end. <laughs> the great thing about COVID. Yeah, yeah. It's so great. See, that's why I didn't get into shape in the first place. With the binge watching, for sure. Oh, there's so much great comedy, and I got no place to put it. <laughs> oh, I have a message for you, Joe. Um, Philip says you should call your underwear line Bento Boxers. Oh, I like Ooh, that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Emma said that. Bento Boxer Briefs. Oh, they, so you're going to go with the Boxer Brief look. Okay. Boxer Briefs are like the best of both worlds. What are you talking about? I, listen, I, I love them, too. We could do a whole I'm, episode I'm, on just Boxer I'm not briefs. wearing pants now with them on. <laughs> I think a TMI line of boxers would be funny too. <laughs> Having TMI over that section. And, you know, anything funny. anything about boxers and TMI is, is basically TMI, if you think <laughs> about it. So people who play the Nintendo game Animal Crossing New Horizons can now download virtual Joe Biden campaign signs to place around their virtual property. My question is, what game do you think Trump should add MAGA merch to? 
Now, first of all, I have to be honest, I had no idea about this game because I know nothing about gaming. Does anybody play this game? Uh, yeah, hello. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you're- familiar. I was gonna say, I've been playing this game since the original GameCube version came out like 20 years ago. So I'm on it, I'm on it. You have the, little villagers, the cute little animals and all that? Yeah, so you get little villagers and you can buy them presents and you can try and get them to leave if you hate them, which is really- How's fun. your island looking, Ian? Uh, you like know what? Geez, months ago, it was just started with like you were inviting people, and now let's be honest. I have a lot of weeds all over the the island right now. I've been a little neglectful. Um, I've run out of things to excite me on the island, so now it's just torturing animals as they come visit that kind of thing. Wow! What yeah. the fuck, man? <laughs> what? Jesus! This is how it starts. If Ian, if listen, if it comes out that you're a serial killer, we ought to be like, ah, oh, here it is. This is the moment where we found it out. There's no murder in the game. You have to just. Oh, yeah. In the it's game. Just in the game, he just said. Doesn't mean the fantasy doesn't start to get a little bit like not exciting, and then you want to do it for real because it's what not satisfying. What about IRL? What about IRL? Yeah. IRL? I don't leave the house. What are you talking about? Listen, if he gets random pets like Ace Ventura, we got to go to the house <laughs> and get them all. You know what's going down. No. Oh my God. I don't know. I can't speak intelligently about video games. The last Nintendo games I played was Tetris and Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> but oh. maybe maybe Trump could be like the dragon at the end of every level on Super Mario Brothers. I think we just got to get him Snake. He'd be very occupied with Snake. He'd probably play that for hours. His little fingers yeah. are alone to be good. I think the perfect one for Trump, which hasn't been around for a while is a series called Postal where it's basically just a disgruntled white man goes around and kills a lot of minorities. Is that real? That's, <laughs> wait, that, that's, that's, that's an actual video game? That's a real game. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. No, it is. Go look it up. Look up Postal. <laughs> I, was actually, I was actually trying to find a game that would be on brands for Trump. So I found out that there actually is a monster truck game called Monster Jam. Yeah. You know, so so you definitely could name at least one of the trucks after him. Like, you know, I don't know, like the, uh, the Trump the truck Usher or the, the snow crate, snowflake. Yeah, or, 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 or there is several different NASCAR games. So, so you could definitely put his name on one of the, like, like, you know, like with a big, um, only Trump lives matter things across the hood of one of the cars or something. I don't yeah, know. They could just remove the general E. Or just be a black car with um, gold T on it. Um, I, I think it's going to be actually there's a uh, there's a game that the medical community uses, and it's for therapy after strokes, and that would be a perfect one for uh, for Donald Trump. <laughs> you, know the you know the name of that game? Uh, I know it's called I'm like it's called Vigorous is the name of, is like the anagram for it, but it, there is actually a stroke therapy video game that when patient like to to help re rehabilitate after a stroke. But since he's had 10 mini ones, I, I think that maybe counts as one full one. Hey, only, <laughs> only he says he didn't have 10 mini ones. Nobody else said he actually had it. Yeah, but so the guy know, had 10 mini ones. We know that they're true. true. You know what? After 10, you get one free. There is actually a stroke you get one free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I hear myself. After a stroke. But since uh -oh. he's had 10 mini ones. Oh, my God. What's happening? Hey, only he, <laughs> only he says he didn't have 10 Who is that? Nobody else Sorry, said it. I think you're uh, volume's up to you. You know what, after 10, you get one. Who is that? Not me. No, we don't We don't sound as, as, as intelligent the second time. No, we don't. I don't want to hear that again. By the way, one of the great things of that stroke game is it teaches you how to drink again. I just had one. <laughs> Holy Christ! So Philip online is saying Monopoly. That would definitely be the one. Where no. Oh, what about? No, because you, you 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 might actually be successful owning a hotel, so it can't <laughs> be that. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking uh, you could have like Team Maga in Pokemon, like the the team that like some child goes out and beats, and there's always like the grunts who are obscenely easy to beat, and they always have the exact same Pokemon, just like they've got the exact same talking points every time. And then by the end of it, somehow you managed to beat them in a Pokemon battle and life is restored to the world. And that's it. And that's the wishful thinking part of it. So, Chris, what did you want to add? I was going to say Fruit Ninja. I think that'd be a great Trump game. I think he, he could play that for hours. He could put his little face and that'd be like, instead of all this little fruit face. Being face be like, <laughs> I mean, I like Fruit Ninja. Fruit Ninja's a good game. Yeah. Yeah. You would. 
I, I was thinking that if we, I could go totally old school, Veronica, and I could do a, a Trump Kong. Where he's Mario. <laughs> big dumb ape. Trump is Mario. I mean, it'd be very big. It'd be huge. <laughs> did they do a did they do a video game version of the Mad Magazine board game? No. Does anyone even remember that? Uh, yeah. Yes. The, yes. The, the reason I say it's perfect for Trump was because the way that you won is you had to lose all of your money. All of your money. <laughs> <laughs> That's you how know, you won. <laughs> wasn't there a a Trump board game like a? There was years Trump ago? the game. Oh. Yes. There you know, are the, the, the deal game, game right? Yeah. Yeah. The just like everything else deal. he did, somebody else made it and he put his name on it. The art of the deal. Monopoly yeah. is a good one for him. He would go bankrupt and just insist the game is not over. So Loretta Lynn may have married Kid Rock over the weekend. Does this sound like the least interesting wedding night ever? Probably better than her first one. I mean, if you saw Coal Miner's Daughter, you know that she did not have a great first marriage either. So like, you know, I mean, the second one was probably at least better. She probably enjoyed it more because she was older. She was 15 the first time. So I think she yeah, probably enjoyed honest. it more. I'm gonna be honest. I have no idea who Loretta Lynn is. Like, I really? No. What? Yeah, no idea. Have you never the seen Coal Miner's Daughter? Sissy Spacek oh, played so her. She won an movie. Oscar really for the movie. movie. It's incredible. You guys should watch the film. As actors, you guys should all see it. Sissy Spacek was amazing. I mean, so good. Tommy Lee Jones is great as her husband Doolittle. I yeah. mean, they are really incredible in the film. So if you've never seen it, go and get it. It's on Netflix and absolutely available. Oh my gosh, but her marriage was. You, she's you one of the one of the four women of country music. You guys like. She's up there with oh, yeah. Loretta Lynn. I mean, I mean, Loretta Lynn is up there with like Tanya Tucker and like. Reba McIntyre, like she's, but Patsy Klein, like she's one of the women that made country right. that's happening today with Carrie Underwood possible. There was, I mean, there was no woman singing about not having kids or what it was like to suck, to have a shitty life, to be married to somebody who doesn't love you. Like, I mean, people weren't writing songs about that before Loretta Lynn wrote those types of songs. She wrote songs about birth control. She really changed the face of country music in a serious way. So she's she's somebody who's quite quite a big deal. Yeah, Veronica, you're gonna watch that movie and feel so empowered that you're gonna go and kind of kick Vanessa's ass. Oh, real okay. Yes. <laughs> the night. Yes. I mean, she gets slapped around <laughs> Veronica, but then she Vanessa's getting her ass kicked later. That's right. <laughs> so there's. Fresh Prince of Bel Air, they're going to do a reunion um, on HBO Max, I believe. Um, do you guys think since the uh, Philip Banks is no longer around, <laughs> gone, um, should they have August Alcina play him possibly? Oh my God, that would, that would make it so good. much better. That would be off. I mean, that's like terrible. when they replaced the mom in the middle of the show. I was like, everybody I acted like it wasn't back. like she just vanished and this other woman was there instead of acknowledging that that woman was gone. They can't, they can't do that anyway because all of those guys are cast in the Disney live action version of Tangled called Entangled. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, it definitely would make it much more interesting to watch. Too soon. Now, well, how is it true that they didn't get along with the first Miss uh, Mrs. Banks? What yeah, there's a lot of rumors of that. And there's, then got her off the like, show. There's all kinds of things. Okay, so I'm she's not. I'm not watching it because I was up for for Smelly Cabby and I didn't get it. So yeah, you were robbed. You, yeah, you, you know they, they they say they say that like she well she was a real problem. Um, oh God, I forgot what her name is. But um, but they said she was like a real problem. But what they say really finally did her in is that she made a comment to Will Smith, claim, you know, that may or may not have claimed that he was gay um, in front of quite a few people. And, right. you know, since that's been a rumor for a long time, that that's probably Janet what it was. Hoover? Was that her name? Janice Huber, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They say she was like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. but, uh, is Jazzy Jeff going to be there? Yeah, of course. Oh, how, where the fuck else is he going? <laughs> yeah, what else is he doing? Yeah, it say. depends if they give him if they give him cab fare. <laughs> well, I mean, he he actually has to come from Philadelphia. I mean, that's where he's. 
happened. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I want to just see jazz. Well, like, I want a whole show with just there, jazz. What was left unsaid? I mean, what well, was left unsaid said with this, with the, with the Bankses? That's what I, I, I'm curious about. What was left unsaid? What is, where do we want to, what do we want to yeah, know? Yeah, it's really, yeah, that, that, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, there's I mean, really I felt like it ended that. fine. Like it was a good yeah. show. It ended fine. It was fine. Yeah. I, but I don't yeah. have any unanswered questions. I'm not interested. It, the same way I yeah. wasn't interested in Fuller House. Yeah, and it's also too because like Will Smith has said it over and over again, especially since James Avery did that. Like he didn't want to do a reunion without him, and it wouldn't be the same without him. And like now they're doing it. I understand how they think they can go from like doing it, like not doing it without him, and now doing it without him. It's hey not, not going to be the you same. You do a couple Need Gemini people. mans, and all of a sudden that money looks good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> get some fresh prints. But I, I don't think it's. I think it's just. I think it's just them together. I don't think they're doing a reunion like where there's a storyline. It's so, a red I mean, table. It's a red table oh, with a fresh oh, prince cast. <laughs> They're actually well, she's doing that. Gemini prints where old where old Will Smith meets young Will Smith and tells him what to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to see young Carlton meet old Carlton. I'm interested in that. Young Carlton meet <laughs> old Carlton. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one Carlton and then season five Carlton. Like, yes, Carlton. that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. That, that would be interesting. <laughs> I watched that. <laughs> So Usher and his girlfriend are having a baby. Considering the stories of him and his herpes, was it a good idea for her to have a baby with him? <laughs> I mean, herpes so, is Here's my thing about oh. Usher's girlfriend. Uh, can you say her last name? No, nobody can. I don't think he can. Yeah. That's why so, he's so not going to marry her. The whole thing is, she, but, but here's her thing. Like, she can marry somebody and get a new last name. So she marries a guy that has no last name. <laughs> so she can't get rid of it. <laughs> and the other weird thing is, name, is that last name and like all of his albums all of his songs one of his albums is literally his first and last name what are you talking about oh no it's usher what's it what's his, his, his name usher 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 raymond, usher raymond. Usher. he has a last name he just doesn't go by it in performance get some black friends joe get some black friends <laughs> yeah. joe's not down like i was gonna me. say i Herpes is pretty common, though. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be weird, make anybody feel weird about anything, but herpes is pretty common, and most people actually already have it. And, yeah, but uh, he was giving it to a lot of different people. I mean, according to, to the stories I mean, a couple of years ago, he gave it to a couple of, of women. He gave supposedly gave it to a guy. Um, so it's like, he was just giving herpes out like yeah, autographs. That's what happens. <laughs> but that's but how it is. Like, I mean, it's a virus that travels, but I'm just saying like, it's it's pretty common. A lot of people have it. Well, it oh, is because when you get like cold sores in your mouth, that's a type of herpes. Because I remember one time my mom got some cold sores and she came home and she's like, I have herpes. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? She's like, oh no, in my mouth, the cold sores, it's, it's a type of her. I, I never knew that, to be honest. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But also like, you don't need to have a baby to give or get herpes. I'm sure they were already doing many things that would transmit herpes regardless of having a baby. That is true. Very true. He's got something to show for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so wait, Usher has a last name? Yes, Usher Raymond. <laughs> Raymond. Just said it like fifty thousand. Actually, has two first names. <laughs> want to be well, actually? I don't know if uh, <laughs> like Raymond Usher. Okay, that, that's that's. It's not Raymond Usher. <laughs> Usher Raymond. Usher Raymond. Usher Raymond was the guy at the Catholic Church who put us in our pew on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a first and last name, so Usher Raymond. All right, I should have made friends with him back then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tonight we wanted to focus our attention on something that has and will continue to be a factor in the election which is now two months and two days away. To help us talk about all of this, we've asked our friend Paul Levinson to help break it down for us. And I believe he's here and he will be joining us now. He's joining us from New York. Hi, Paul. How you doing? Good, how are you? Thank you so much for coming back. It's my pleasure. Um, it's a little low. Is there any way you can raise the volume just a little bit? I'm having... Uh, is this better? Is that better? Can you is guys better? hear okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yes. Yeah, so thanks again, Paul, for joining us. Um, just to remind our audience, you are a professor of media studies at Fordham University in New York. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what media studies focuses on? Well, apropos of the name, it focuses on media. And that means the history of media, the current situation. So we spend a lot of time talking about digital media. We talk about the impact of media on human beings and any other living organisms. Uh, and we actually also examine specific kinds of media. So we look at cinema. That's a whole field called cinema studies. We have uh, journalism, writing courses, and it's really pretty much the whole uh, enchilada of communications and media. History, current situation, and future. Okay. So tonight, we're talking about how fake news has and will continue to influence this election. Um, it seems like since the 2016 campaign, the concept of fake news has grown considerably. We all realize that all presidential campaigns have a tortured relationship with the whole truth. That being said, can you think of any presidential campaigns prior to Trump that used fake news as often and effectively? No, I can't. And that's because the digital media, which have become an ever-increasing part of our lives, especially during this pandemic age, but even well before that, one of the things that this proliferation of digital media does is it makes it much easier to produce fake news and much easier to disseminate fake news. So when we are increasingly accustomed to looking at videos, whether it's on YouTube or Twitter or any place else, Facebook, obviously, uh, it becomes much easier to disseminate seriously fake information through, for example, deep fakes where it looks like I'm talking and I'm saying what a horrendous President Trump is. It's, it's almost trivially easy now, if you know what you're doing, to make it seem that I'm saying precisely the opposite. That was something that just was not possible in the election, even in 2016, certainly not in 2012, 2008. So previous presidential campaigns, as you correctly said, had no fidelity to the truth. The goal of all campaigns is to get their candidate elected. And they were more than happy to spread phony stories information that wasn't completely accurate, leaving out essential uh, aspects of it, hyping other aspects. But in this election of 2020, it's reached an entirely new and more dangerous level. Fortunately, however, I'm a great believer in human rationality. And although uh, people can indeed be easily fooled the old expression, I think it may go back to Abraham Lincoln, that you can fool some of the people, some of the time, all of the people, some of the time, whatever the expression was, but you can't fool all the people all the time. I think that is a very valuable thing to keep in mind because the victim of fake news is not 100% malleable. And sooner or later, people, and there have been examples of this, can discover what's true and separate the truth from falsehood. Well, can I, can I kind of can I follow that up with with what you're saying about about something else? Uh, you know, I get I get what you're saying about the idea of um, of people being able to be fooled once in a while, but sooner or later people get wise to it. When when you're seeing the amount of just daily attacks on the truth. That we're seeing lately. I, I mean, just yesterday, you know, because we were talking about like the reason why we picked today to do this story was just in the 24 hour period of time, you had uh, Congressman Steve Scalise um, doing the doctored video um, where he took the ALS sufferer and changed his words to make it sound like he was asking Joe Biden if he'd defund the police. 
which was proven not to be true. Then you had the, uh, the, 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 uh, the data that was manipulated so that Trump could say that only 9,000 people died of COVID. And then later on in the day, you had his, his um, social media director, Dan Scavino, uh, putting out the, uh, the video of, um, Trump, of uh, Biden supposedly um, falling asleep during an interview. But it turns out it was actually um, a deep fake video with uh, that was done with Harry Belafonte. And then Harry Belafonte came out and, and said it. And also the people that interviewed um, interviewed Harry said it. You know, and then on top of all that, then you had Trump actually go on on Laura Ingraham last night and claim that a plane loaded with with all black wearing Antifa members flew to Washington to disrupt the RNC convention because somebody on the plane told Trump that. I mean, when, when you hear just that many things, and that's probably not even everything that came out yesterday, but when you hear all that in like a 24 hour period of time, doesn't, does, doesn't it get to a point where, where you think people just start either accepting it or, or they just start ignoring everything? Well, here's a, a counter example, which actually affected me greatly. I was practically moved to tears when I saw this. This uh, happened in the Democratic National Convention two weeks ago, and I forget the, the woman's name. Her father uh, had been a devout Trump supporter, and he, he believed Trump when Trump said, hey, you know, the COVID thing is just going to go away on its own. Don't uh, be a fool and stay home. And, and this man in Arizona, this young woman's father, went out and tragically he contracted COVID-19 and tragically he died. And, and I remember the young woman looked into the camera and this wasn't the first time she said this. It was in an NPR interview, but at the Democratic National Convention, she looked into the camera and said, my father's only precondition was that he trusted Trump. So in addition to being a very tragic human story, which it is, that's what I mean when I say that human beings, when pushed, are still ultimately rational beings. And this young woman, I don't know whether she was a Trump supporter or not before her father died, but when faced with all the current of nonsense that comes out of the White House and from Trump on almost a daily basis, and... When that came into conflict with the horrible reality of a father dying because a father followed Trump's advice, then the human psyche and the human soul, the rationality in all of us, triumph. And this is an example of on a much less scale. I think happens to many people. And that's why we'll see what happens in the election. But that's why you see so many people, by no means everyone, but so many people, whether it's the, the, the Lincoln Committee, that is the group of former Republicans that's working day and night to stop Trump, to other Republicans who are saying, look, I just can't uh, support uh, Trump anymore. I think those are very hopeful signs. Again, does it mean that everyone is going to see the light and be able to see through the fake news that constantly streams out of the White House? No. Fooled all the time. But uh, not a majority of people. At least that's the faith that democracy is based on. Paul, um, I know with social media, um, obviously it's easier to spread all this misinformation, you know, but then in years past. Um, is there anything you can tell our audience um, what we can look for to identify a fake story easier? Are there signs? Is there anything about a particular, uh, anything in particular in an article that we should look out for? Well, I think, again, most people have a pretty good sense, not that they can just immediately identify something fake or untrue. But all of us, I mean, it happens to most people, you know, many times a day when they hear or see something on television or somewhere on the internet or whatever. And the first reaction is, really? Uh, you know, is that really happening? 
And th that is a very healthy sign because that's the, the rational part of uh, all human beings, not just accepting something which even on a less than fully conscious level does not make sense. So I think the first and most important thing is people should try to respect those signals that come to all of us. You know, when, uh, you know, the hairs stand on the back of our neck, you know, to use the physical example, but whatever it is, when we don't feel completely comfortable with the information that we're getting. Now, it, it may wind up being true. You know, that doesn't mean that that's an infallible indicator, but if we follow that and don't squelch that or repress that and then look for more information, what are other media saying? What are other channels saying? What's the full story behind this? Then that's, I think, a good way that we can begin to combat this tyrant of nonsense. Um, should social media companies be held accountable for, po for these postings? The story that Peter was talking about a couple minutes ago, Twitter marked it as being manipulative and Facebook did absolutely nothing, yet they kept the images and the news, um, up the, the news, I should say, in quotes. Um, what, you know, accountability should they have or should they have any accountability? Yes, they should 100% have accountability. But just to be my point of view on this, it should not be the government in any manner, shape, or form that holds any newspaper, any social media app, any mode of speech or press or communication to account because that violates the First Amendment. And furthermore, when you think about the fact that the government right now is Donald Trump as president and the Republicans have a majority in the Senate and the Republicans have a majority of appointees on the Supreme Court. If ever there was a time when we didn't want the government to have anything whatsoever to do with any communications medium, now is the time. But the public can still hold social media responsible. And let me just say about Facebook, I, not that I'm a defender of Facebook, I see they do a lot of things wrong, but they also don't get enough credit for the things they do uh, try to do. Because I just saw earlier today a report somewhere that Facebook had deleted a whole number of fake accounts which were either Russian accounts masquerading as American accounts or just outright bots or whatever. So one of the problems with Facebook is, let's face it, Zuckerberg comes across as arrogant, uh, you know, and he, he doesn't do himself much good when he talks about these things and testifies before Congress. But if you look at the overall record, although Facebook and Twitter and no social medium has been perfect in its ability and in its actions to weed out fake news. Each of them is trying its own way. And I think they're doing a, an improving and better job of it. Certainly better than four years ago. Mm -hmm. Pete? Actually, uh, along those lines though, um, when, when they're alerted to the fact that something is either manipulated or is just outright fake information, why is it that, that I, I, Facebook seems to have this, this, uh, this idea that when it comes from a political campaign, that they can't touch it regardless of whether or not it's misleading or untrue, uh, where Twitter will actually say something is manipulated on, on the actual uh, post, even though they won't take it down? I, I mean, is, is there a certain point in time when when they then Facebook should have to get involved. I mean, regardless, like, yeah, I get it that they'll they'll go out and they'll they'll take down you know phony uh, posts from other from fake accounts and from Russian bots and things like that. But they just don't seem to have any accountability if it's a political figure that's putting this information out there. And I'm, I'm just wondering, shouldn't they have some kind of accountability? The reason that they're so careful and even loathe to take down those posts is because they're trying to keep their system open to all political point of views, even stupid and dangerous and evil points of view. 
views and in fact e even hate speech you know getting back to the first amendment i believe the first amendment protects hate speech the first amendment is designed to protect speech we hate speech we love doesn't need protection and the reason why the first amendment is needed to protect speech we hate is that somebody might hate my speech and i think everything i say is the most wonderful thing in the world but but if somebody hates it Facebook doesn't want to be the vehicle that takes it down. And also, in all fairness to Facebook, if you watch MSNBC, which by and large is an extremely progressive uh, cable news station, you see the most absurd, lying, obnoxious Trump ads on MSNBC. And so why, Toss may say, why doesn't Facebook do anything? Why doesn't MSNBC do anything? What's the matter with MSNBC? They want the money for the ads so, so much from Trump that they're going to put them on? Yeah, but I think in all fairness also to MSNBC, as much as I think those ads are nauseating and dangerous, it's in many ways a more dangerous thing for a cable operation or Facebook to say, we're not going to put on certain ads. And the truth of the matter is, the very nature of advertising is not to tell the truth, right? I mean, that's why, you know, sometimes it's a live omission, sometimes it's a live commission, but whether you're trying to sell a product where you're not going to reveal the people who didn't like the product, or you're trying to sell a presidential candidate, and you're either going to uh, misrepresent the opponent or and or leave out some damaging material about your candidate, that's the nature of advertising. So, you know, I think, again, it's more important to keep everything open so the truth is not locked out than to begin to go in and selectively prevent the dissemination of certain information. Joe. You know, growing up, um, you, you read the, the Times, Washington Post, Boston Globe and all that. Uh, Walter Cronkite said something. You just believed it because you knew that th th there was this trust behind it. You knew there were, there, that all of this work was going on, and and now I, I like I think a big question is 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 real actual journalism dead, or is there some way we can bring it back to the way it was? Because I feel like more and more uh, it, it gets muddled, it gets it gets ripped apart, and I want to know what's the path back. Well, here I think. The unfortunate story. There is no path back because the back isn't what you and many other people think was the case. Now, I love Walter Cronkite, and that's the way it was. You know, and there was a Gallup poll that showed in the early 1970s more people trusted Walter Cronkite than any other person in America. Right. But the truth of the matter is, Walter Cronkite didn't always tell the truth. For example, to this day, not to open up this can of worms, we don't know the full story about who killed JFK and how exactly it happened. And back in the 1960s, there was, I'm not sure if he's still alive, there was a guy by the name of Mark Lane who wrote a series of books in which he was saying, well, the Warren Commission's report and the identification of Lee Harvey Oswald as the only assassin of JFK has left out a lot of important leads. Not once did Walter Cronkite on the CBS Evening News have on Mark Lane to talk about his theory because the editors at CBS thought, no, the theories, isn't, the, the theories of Mark Lane are, are not that uh, valid. And, you know, one of the things I always talk to my students about, if you go way back in American history to uh, the American Revolution and the new country in the 1790s, you had newspapers which were just outrightly 100% federalist newspapers and outrightly 100% Republican Democratic newspapers, which was Jefferson's party. They didn't make any bones about it at all. They didn't even try to be objective, and it wasn't just in their editorial pages. It was in their news stories. So it has always been the case. You know, I used to laugh and still do, and I think about Fox's fair and balanced, there has never been a medium of journalism or communication in American history which has been balanced and probably not even fair. And that's why, you know, today, Fox is obviously conservative. 
Uh, MSNBC is progressive. CNN is boring. So I don't know how that fits into your face exactly. But n none, of those, uh, none of those operations give you the complete story. What is your opinion, Paul, as to how the media covered the RNC and the DNC? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, that's actually, yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because that's a very, very good example. I, I watch for the most part MSNBC and I pretty much agree with MSNBC's political perspective. And I enjoy MSNBC's coverage of the DNC, the Democratic National Committee Convention. Um, but if you compare that to how MSNBC covered the RNC, the Republican National Committee Presidential Convention, it was like day and night. Uh, on the Republican coverage, you had MSNBC breaking every 20, 25 minutes to basically show all the lies that the Republicans had uh, mm -hmm. said, which I actually enjoyed. But if I had been a Republican, I would have been livid. I was happy. I liked it. But during the Democratic National Convention, not every single thing that every single Democrat said was completely correct. So what? why then? <laughs> so why then didn't MSNBC fact check that convention? Uh, so that is exactly the point I was making about the bias. Um, that said, you know, as far as I can tell. The Republican National Convention, you had to look far and wide for a time in which there wasn't someone lying every other word out of his or her mouth, you know, on the screen. Whereas the, the, the Democrats were more in the traditional sense of, uh, of lies of distorting statements, leaving out things that didn't, you know, work out well and so on. But the coverage of the conventions in all the media was the typical what you would expect of the medium, the, the political affiliation, as much as the media tried to say, oh, we were just totally objective. You would know 100% if somebody woke you up out of a deep sleep and said, okay, this is the Republican National Convention. What, what are you watching? You would know immediately if it was MSNBC because you would hear somebody deeply criticizing what they just saw on the air. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we are three weeks away from the first presidential debate and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi doesn't think Joe Biden should debate Trump because they will give Trump another platform to make unchecked and false claims. Do you think the moderators... Um, should they, should they be correcting those false statements when they're obviously not true? So should they be doing like fact-checking during the debate? Yes, I do think that moderators should do that. And mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is, I, you know, I don't know if I would say I agree 100% with Nancy Pelosi's point of view, but it's not an insane point of view. And it's not even because it's going to be Trump versus Biden. One of the problems with the debates in general is I don't know how much relevance how someone performs in this situation debating has much if anything to do with how that person will perform as president. So, you know, the, the famous story, uh, which is a by and large true story in the Kennedy-Nixon debate or the debates of 1960, a majority of people who saw the debates on television thought JFK did better because JFK was calm, he was cool when they went to the reaction shot, he was relaxed, contemplative. Um, and the, but the people who saw that debate on television thought Nixon didn't do too well because Nixon was nervous. You know, would you buy a used car from this man? No, I mean, he, he didn't feel trustworthy. But the kicker in these surveys is that a majority of people who heard the exact same debate on radio thought Nixon did better because they couldn't see his sweating, nervous face and they couldn't see Kennedy looking so relaxed and, you know, on top of things. So I, in a way that says it right there, what the debate shows is are you telegenic or not? 
Um, and who cares about that? What, what possible relevance does that have in terms of how someone will perform as president? So I think that Nancy Pelosi has a good point, but the other side of the argument is people now expect a debate and there'll be a and cry uh, against both parties, but especially the party, if it's the Democratic Party who says, well, we don't want to debate, you know what they're going to say in response to that. Trump and the Republicans are going to say, oh, you know, Joe Biden, he's too, you know, senile and feeble to stand up to Trump. And um, I think the Democrats can't afford to have that kind of charge lodged against them. Mm -hmm. Now, I know I asked you this uh, the first time you were on with us, but I want to ask you now. Um, what do you think the outcome of this election is going to be? Has anything changed since the last time we spoke to now? Well, first of all, I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time. I'm, I was wrong in 2016. Uh, I even made a bet with a Fordham University colleague, a faculty member who thought Trump would win. I thought he was crazy. I was glad to take the bet. And then he had the last laugh, although he's not a Trump supporter. So predictions are notoriously treacherous. But I certainly don't think Trump's position has improved since the last time, you know, we talked here mm -hmm. uh, in this forum. If anything, I think it's gotten worse. I, I think the Republican National Convention was in many ways a travesty, regardless of who, you know, covered it. I think that the COVID pandemic is not getting better. It's still you know, getting worse in some places. Schools are beginning to close down after they opened up. I think that the American people do correctly blame Trump for exacerbating this horrible pandemic. And I think that barring some kind of, you know, miracle vaccine that manages to, you know, come around in the middle or the end of October, and even then it wouldn't be distributed to everyone, there wouldn't be enough time I think that Trump is going to lose in a landslide. It's going to be one of the, the biggest uh, defeats in the history of presidential politics. But I also recognize that since that's what I very much want to happen, that, you know, maybe you shouldn't take what I say too seriously. <laughs> I do think that's an objective analysis, but it is also what I'd very much like to see happen. You know, I, I keep saying to my wife, you know, whenever the vote comes in, whether it's the night of the election or a couple of days or weeks later because, you know, the mail and ballots are being counted, either that's going to be the happiest day of our lives or like one of the worst days of our lives. Uh, and, and, you know, politically that's saying a lot because we were devastated when Nixon was elected in 1968. So uh, and we never thought we'd live to see uh, a time in which there'd be someone who would even be worse. Mm -hmm. There's a lot at stake in this uh, election. Okay. Does anybody have any final questions for Paul? Pete, go ahead. Yeah, Paul, I, I read a, an article today that just scared the hell out of me. Um, that was it was basically because I guess a poll came out in the last couple of days saying that. Um, I think 52% of Americans are planning on voting by mail and, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, 33% of Americans are planning on voting by mail and 52% of those are actually uh, Democrats. So according to this, this, um, this story I read today, in theory, because it takes longer to, um, to process mail-in ballots, that there's a possibility that on election night, Trump could be running the table across the country because because Republicans actually physically go out and vote and that it may take several days to correct that number where, where it goes from Trump winning to potentially him losing six or seven days later. In, in that kind of scenario, how does the media have to handle something like that? I mean, how do they, how do they come? Because clearly if he's leading on, on election night, he's just going to say he won. And then anything that happens after that is going to be clearly corrupt and it's going to be them rigging the election. How can the media keep people in check for four or five, maybe even a week, um, you know, days, you know, as far as like, like, how do they handle that? I, I mean, is that, is that even possible? Well, it's going to be tough. There's no doubt about it. We do have a little experience 
experience with that because uh, there were a series of primaries and special elections that have taken place since the country shut down in mid-March. And, uh, you know, here in the New York area, for example, Elliot Engel, he's actually an old friend of mine, a long-serving congressman uh, from the Bronx uh, in New York City, and he was beaten in the uh, in the primary. But it took about two weeks for that to come down. The, the media correctly reported that his opponent was leading, but not by such a big margin that it was impossible for Engel to catch up. And the fact is, when all the votes were counted, he did not catch up. But look, as far as what Trump is going to do, we are dealing with a profoundly mentally ill person in the White House. I'm not a psychologist, but this man is not in his right mind. There's no telling what he's going to do. And the only defense that we have is, again, we have the courts and we have Congress. And here, once again, just to you know, stress this point, the, the election in the Senate is just as important, if not more important, than the presidential election. Because if the Democrats can uh, get back in control of the Senate and maintain control of the House, that's where, if there is a dispute uh, about the results, the, that dispute will be first considered. And then, I mean, it's going to be going to the courts, but ultimately, it's Congress that's going to have final word when it comes to that. Um, I mean, I do think that if everyone, you know, pretty much agrees that Trump lost, but Trump just keeps bellowing that he was cheated, what is going to happen on Inauguration Day is Biden is going to be inaugurated. And the minute that Biden finishes taking the oath of office, the Secret Service are going to march right down to the White House and escort Trump out of the White House because they're going to be following the orders of the president, not the former president. But it's going to be a very harrowing few months until we get yeah. there. And I, and I'm sure most Americans, won't be able to breathe some kind of sigh or relief until Trump is out of the White House and Biden is in the White House. And even that, by the way, Biden is not some kind of magician. There's going to be an enormous amount of work to do, and it's going to take a good while for the country to get out of there. Okay. Um, any, does anybody else have any final questions for Paul? Okay, Paul, well, thanks again so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. We really and do. I'll probably be talking to you when it gets closer to the election as <laughs> well. Wow. Uh, great, great. I hope you all have smiles on our faces, Ed. <laughs> Absolutely. So That's thanks all. again for coming on and have a good yeah. night and we'll talk soon. My pleasure. Bye, bye, bye. everybody. Bye, bye Paul. Bye. Thank bye. you. Sure. So in honor of Dr. Phil's 70th birthday, we thought that today would be a great time to celebrate him by doing what he does best, giving our own unqualified opinions to people watching at home. So who wants to start? Who wants to give some Dr. Phil advice? Anybody staying oh, home? And two. What, Carrie? I was just testing my mic. I didn't think it worked. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just making the words. Always test your mic before That's you get on Zoom. Good, Dr. No, no, no. <laughs> but the thing is, is I did, and then it kicked, it pooped out some time in between so I had to log off and come back on so I'm just making sure okay just in case I have anything interesting to say which usually I do so it's okay <laughs> so does anybody have any interesting Dr. Phil advice to give Chris I have a feeling you do for some reason I just feel like you have something to insightful to say while watching at home <laughs> <laughs> well it depends on the topic you know I don't want to uh, talk out of my ass here but since we're doing Dr. Phil uh, make sure you wash your ass, okay? That's how Corona gets spread. If you've got a dirty ass, you can spread Corona. So wash your ass. Or put a mask on it. Yeah. Uh, put a mask, mask on, on it. Spread it. Yeah. That's, spread it. That's, that's booty sweat. What's wrong with you? Don't. <laughs> Listen, come on, my opinion, when you don't got one of your own, okay? This is my moment. How dare you, Ian? How dare you? <laughs> that does feel like Dr. Phil. That was good. Yeah, that was good. Anybody that's else? That's yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that we should definitely consider canceling anybody who doesn't want 
well, sorry, let me say this the right way. We should consider canceling anybody who doesn't like the idea of canceling people. I, I mean, I just, I, you know, just put it out there. Think about it. No? Cancel anybody? the cancelers? Cancel, cancel, the, no, cancel the people who don't think canceling is good. I think that's fine. I don't agree with it, but I'm going to say it out loud. But then again, so does Dr. Phil. So. Speaking of, doc, of Dr. Phil, did you guys get to see um, his house that was put up for sale? His creepy house? Yeah. About the creepy house? So his house was put up for sale in January for like $5.75 million. But it was like the creepiest house ever. It was decorated with guns and curse words and evil teddy bears. Um, twisted tree trunks. So I'm thinking if you live in a house like that, you're probably not the most qualified person <laughs> to be giving advice to show it. And that was for show for for set up for people to come and look at the house. That was I for guess, open house. <laughs> Do you think he ever said once, this is a safe space? <laughs> Probably. That's my big Dr. Phil impression. Thank you. I've been working on that. So. about the house was somebody tweeted. Um, the designer says, "Tell me something you like," and Dr. Phil says, "Shooting bears, big old animal horns, and the word fuck." And the designer says, "I can work with that." <laughs> so that was my favorite. Thing about the house. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little hard. This seems like a good note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Before we end, and speaking of fake news, because I'm glad Carrie's on real quick. Uh, Carrie yeah. has fa Carrie has family back in Minneapolis, and I've been seeing a whole lot of news lately about how the city's devastated and all of this crazy. And they're showing me pictures of just like of just like burnt down buildings and stuff and all that. So I want to hear from the source because you have family out there. Is Minneapolis really as bad as everyone's showing, or? Um, like, 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 because uh, from the pictures I've seen from my Republican friends, it looks like there's no city left. No, that's not true. I mean, unfortunately, it seems like Republicans and Trump supporters, because Trump himself like to paint everything in this really dystopian manner. It's not like it's not that bad. Yes, there was destruction. It was there was destruction in a lot of cities, um, but they're rebuilding and the city is very resilient and the citizens are amazing and pulling together and and rebounding so no it's not like a wasteland they'll they'll come back they're they're doing well that's fabulous we've debunked another news story today so that's at five we are on a roll we are on a roll everybody we are your news source forget forget I'm those so sorry <laughs> maybe that's our dr phil moment our collective dr phil moment that we are a news source there you go that's there my dr know. phil advice that's how you, you know news news? Come to us. that's the way it and then buy yourself a pair of bento boxer briefs with the eight of, call us. Vanessa. The eight of us make it Vanessa's at the phones right now <laughs> waiting for your call that's a good way to end today tonight's show. So we will see you back here again tomorrow at 6 p.m. with our special guest, actor and writer Bill Cott from shows like The Dana Carvey Show, This Is Us, and Wizards of Waverly Place, and many other shows. So oh he's actually our guest panelist, so he'll be with us the whole entire show. Fabulous. And on everyone, our show. everyone watch the Dana Carvey Show documentary on Hulu tonight, so you'll be all caught up. Oh, there you go. Thank oh, good. You. We've got homework. It's really good. I saw it too. It's really it's good. It's fabulous. And Bill's on it. So yeah. Bill's on it. 